Okay, we're going to talk about Russia and Ukraine in just a second. But first, this is kind of coincidental, kind of funny, that yesterday we were talking about modern monetary theory and cryptocurrency. And today, this was literally the headline. The headline is, the United Kingdom is actually proving my point. So when we were talking about cryptocurrency yesterday, I was saying, obviously, governments like the United States government, especially under the Biden administration, don't like cryptocurrency because it gives people an alternative currency that's not issued by the U.S. government. A currency that's issued by the by the U.S. government or any government, the government has some sort of control of. And I said, that's why we should absolutely reject a digital currency issued by the U.S. Fed. We don't want a government-run cryptocurrency that defeats the purpose of competing, essentially, with the government-issued paper currency, the U.S. dollar. Well, in the U.K. right now, there's a headline about a debate that's happening in Britain about whether a possible state-sponsored cryptocurrency, they too have not formally introduced one, they're just talking about it, whether it should be programmed. Now, what does this mean, programmed? Programmed means exactly what we were talking about yesterday, that the government might decide, well, with this central bank digital currency, is what they're calling it in Britain, with this central bank digital currency, um, the government could decide what you're allowed to purchase. They could prohibit you from purchasing certain items. They could earmark this cryptocurrency to allow you to only purchase certain items of certain prices or um, all, all kinds of possibilities. I mean, this could be as much as age-related. This could be, I guess this could be political-related. This is an entire apparatus of control from that's being debated. It's not law yet because it's not a thing yet in the UK. It's just funny because we discussed this in a hypothetical sense yesterday. And then today we're seeing it in real life. We're seeing that this is happening. This is very, very important for conservatives to understand that if we want to win, if we want to defeat radical leftist efforts, whether it's on the cultural level, whether it's the legal level, whether it's in monetary policy, we actually can't wait for the left to wage their attack against us. We have to anticipate their attack like this. We anticipate what will happen if a government issues cryptocurrency. We anticipate the control the government will enact over us if they program if they program a digital currency so that you can only buy what they want you to buy and they can prohibit you from buying what they don't want you to buy. We know the kind of societal control that they will that they will impose over us if we don't stop it. So if we conservatives actually want to win these battles, we have to stop this before it becomes reality because once it's reality, it's a lot harder to get it to go away. I mean, it's the same thing as diabetes or another health-related issue that is very, very highly correlated to weight. You can treat it once it happens, but it's a lot harder to treat once it's already manifested. But if you act preventatively, then you could prevent it from ever happening in the first place. And that's the best thing that you can do. Again, I thought that this was ironic because what we were talking about hypothetically yesterday is happening. The debate is happening in real life in the UK. And this is a flag, a signal for all of us to stop this before it actually happens. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. So let's talk about Russia. Let's talk about Ukraine. I had a very curmudgeon-like thought late last night about Russia and Ukraine. I was actually reading about it on Twitter, on news, or, news organizations, looking at videos. I was, I was reading the, the most recent analysis about Russia. And all I kept thinking was everybody has is having bad takes. Everybody is wrong about Russia, even people that I respect, people whose ideas or analysis, their, their policy positions, I usually more or less align with. 
everybody's opinions about Russia and Ukraine are wrong, barring almost nobody. I can't think of anybody right now who has the correct take on Russia. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about a really fun offer, a possibility that you could win a signed picture or a picture of President Trump signed by President Trump himself with the political pressure of the left, this woke mob that has become the Democratic Party. Our society has ultimately become controlled by the cancel culture elites, right? Since when have the founders of our constitution, the American flag, Dr. Susan, many other things become anti-American? That's what the left tells us. Well, there has never been a better time, actually, in our nation's history to stand up against this woke mob and fight back. That means you and that means me. Now, you can do this with this exclusive offer that I'm giving to you for a limited time only. Now is your chance to win a signed picture by President Trump himself. That's right. Not only will you be taking a stance against the radical left, you will be entered to entering to win a piece of history. All you have to do is text the word Liz to 55404 to enter. That is L-I-Z to 55404. Join me in standing up for President Trump and canceling the radical left once and for all. L-I-Z to 55404. And we tried this, guys. My producers and I tried this. It's free. That's literally all you have to do. L-I-Z to 55404. This is paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Okay, so everybody's takes pretty much are wrong on Russia and the Ukraine. I mean, we know what's happening. I don't need to give you the, I guess, the news updates, the play-by-play of Putin sending a so-called peacekeeping operation to separatist parts of Ukraine. That's obvious BS. That's just a pretext for infiltrating Ukraine. I mean, Putin released last summer a blueprint of exactly what he was going to do. Biden, the Biden administration just ignored it. I don't know if they're if they're stupid, if they didn't take him seriously, probably all of the above. Putin literally said as a pretext to invade Ukraine, he posited this idea that the Ukrainian people are actually the Russian people and that he was just reabsorbing um, what was rightfully his. That's exactly what he's saying now. So why the Biden administration didn't believe him eight months ago is, you know, part of the problem here. Because this, all of what's happening right now, Putin invading Ukraine, didn't have to happen. The inevitable loss of life that is going to occur, the possibility of a deadly war, this did not have to happen. This is mostly, mostly because Joe Biden is a terrible, weak president, and Putin knows he can get away with misbehavior. He knows he can get away with probably a war, invading another country because Biden will not hold him accountable. So that the play-by-play is not is not necessary to what we're talking about. Biden is is levying sanctions against these separatist areas of Ukraine, of all places, not, not, not Putin, against these separatist areas of Ukraine. He's calling it an invasion as if Putin cares that he labels it an invasion. Germany is finally stepping up and saying no Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia is going to invade in this way. We'll see how this plays out. But the, the problem here, the problem here is something that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. The problem is that this the the philosophy of foreign policy that used to be a bedrock part of being a United States senator and of being the chief executive of the United States, the president, is no longer a thing. Politicians are elected into these high offices and they have control of U.S. foreign policy and yet they don't have a cogent U.S. foreign policy philosophy. And so we get to situations like this and these politicians in charge of our foreign policy are at a loss. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to what to base their decisions on. They don't know whether they should take action based just on the political popularity here at home or whether they should get into a war. They don't know what they think the U.S.'s role in the world is. Are we the world's policemen? Should we turn a blind eye to anything that doesn't touch our shores? 
Is there a happy medium or a third point on that triangle? They don't know. And so what happens is this. We get into a situation where a weak president, Joe Biden, who has no coherent foreign policy philosophy, doesn't know how to handle an international event like what is happening with Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. And usually when this happens, in almost any other policy bucket, what happens when the Democrats have no coherent policy or a nonsensical policy is Republicans offer, offer an alternative. They say, the Democrats are idiots, and here's why, and here's what we offer instead, and here's why it will work. But that's not true this time either. Like I said, I have not heard, maybe, I have not heard, I don't think, one single person whose take I agree with. I've heard a lot of people with really, really poor takes. So let's, let's talk about some of these individuals, not in the vague sense. Lawrence Tribe is a well-known known legal commentator. He's a former Harvard Law School professor. And he criticized Fox News' Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump. He called it the Donald Trump arm of the party or the GOP's Trump wing and accused Tucker Carlson of committing treason for Tucker Carlson's stance on the Putin-Ukraine conflict. This is what Tribe tweeted. He said, led by Fox News Channel's Tucker Carlson, the GOP's Trump wing appears to be throwing its weight behind Putin. If Putin opts to wage war on our ally, Ukraine, such, quote, aid and comfort to an, quote, enemy would appear to be treason as defined by Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Now, obviously, you don't have to be a constitutional law scholar to know that that's utter nonsense. Tucker Carlson, you can, you can like what he says, you can hate what he says, you can think he's partially correct or wholly incorrect. He's obviously not committing treason. It is his opinion on what the U.S. foreign policy about Ukraine and Russia should be. So this is such a wildly bad take, a wildly bad take that it actually, and this is what frustrates me sometimes about the left, is they have such wildly bad takes that it puts me in a position of defending against that wildly bad take, defending the person who is accused of, well, in this case, Lawrence Tribe is accusing Tucker Carlson of treason. It puts me in a position of saying, no, I'm going to defend Tucker Carlson because that's so insanely absurd. And what's lost, what's lost there is that Tucker Carlson's also wrong. Tucker Carlson's take is also not correct. But that gets lost in the fact that Lawrence Trime is accusing him of something so absurd, so ridiculous, that we end up defending Tucker Carlson's right to have his opinion, which of course is proper, meaning he has a right to an opinion and we should defend his right to an opinion, even if we don't think it's a correct opinion. Because Tucker Carlson is essentially an isolationist. I agree with a lot of what he says. A lot of what he says about, about the Iraq war is correct. I have respect for the fact that he believed that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and that was, of course, the pretext for the Iraq war under George W. Bush. He believed that there were weapons of mass destruction because that's what our intelligence agencies told the president of the United States. And that's what we, the American people, were told. Turns out there weren't weapons of mass destruction. And it turns out that these intelligence agencies informing the president that there were weapons of mass destruction wasn't based on a comprehensive analysis of evidence and proof and signals and patterns that would lead you to infer that there were weapons of mass destruction. No, it was based on one source, one human intelligence source. Someone, one person who turned out to be an individual who simply had a personal beef against Saddam Hussein and wanted the United States to take out Saddam Hussein. So the guy made up this idea that there were weapons of mass destruction. And based on that one source, not corroborated, nothing else, 
That was the pretext for the U.S. invading Iraq and the Iraq war. So Tucker Carlson says, yeah, knowing what I know now about U.S. intelligence agencies, I wouldn't have taken their word for it then. And he's like, and I've changed my mind. And I have a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Tucker Carlson for saying that. But he is, he is wrong about, about Ukraine and Russia in the sense that he claims that there's no moral or legal obligation that we have to defend Ukraine. And what I would say to this is trying to morally neutralize Putin. And when I say morally neutralize, uh, the reason that I chose that phrase, morally neutralize, is because Tucker Carlson uses that phrase, what is our moral obligation to, to Ukraine versus Russia? Why should, why should I choose Ukraine over Russia? And this is what I say, trying to morally neutralize Putin because Ukraine is also corrupt, which they are, that, that, is, that is not a correct take. Trying to morally neutralize Putin because Ukraine is also corrupt is actually somewhat of, somewhat of a logical fallacy here because you can't, you can't morally neutralize Putin. So you, you can think that we shouldn't go to war with Russia. And I do. I think that we should not go to war with Russia. I, that is an opinion I share with Tucker Carlson. You can think that we shouldn't go to war with Russia while also understanding and acknowledging that Russia invading Ukraine or trying to take over Ukraine is a bad thing, that we don't want that, and that we actually have interests in preventing that from happening or even hoping that that doesn't happen, even using our just our, our voices or our platforms in calling for that not to happen. We don't, we don't have to completely morally neutralize Putin and what he's doing in order to convince people that we shouldn't go to war with Russia. Because re remember the reality of Russia. Remember the reality of what Putin is, who Putin is. Putin is a former KGB agent. That is the intelligence service of the Soviet Union. He has not repudiated that role or the ideology that underpinned that role. In fact, Putin engages in that same behavior that the KGB endorsed way back then. Putin engages in that now. I mean, think of Alexei Navalny, right? A dissident, a Russian dissident that Putin jailed, allowed almost to die. This is, this is not an isolated incident. This is any time that there is a dissident or someone who opposes Putin, Putin goes after them. I mean, think about the people who have been poisoned. And this is only the, only the ones who survived their poisoning. Not all of them survived it. But the ones who we know about because it was reported. Think about the in, in London, there was Alexander Litvinenko. Remember him? A lot of people don't. But he was poisoned by Putin in London. Why? Because he criticized Putin. Think about Sergei and Yulia Skripal. They were poisoned by Putin. Why? Because they were critical. They spoke out against Putin's tyrannical authoritarianism. There's a law under Putin right now in Russia that you can be imprisoned. You can be put in prison for years if you spread so-called misinformation. Misinformation, of course, being vaguely defined to the point that anything that you say that is opposed to what Putin is saying counts as misinformation. In COVID, during COVID, they required, Putin required an app that required individuals to send a selfie from where they were immediately upon request from the app to verify that they had not left their apartment. And this is something that barely got any press. Maybe, maybe you didn't even hear about this because this is normalcy under Vladimir Putin. It might be something that you and I here in the United States would be like, whoa, huge invasion of privacy, major government overreach. Absolutely not. You don't have a right to tell me to do that. But in Russia, it got very little press because this is normal for Vladimir Putin. Journalists, 
Let's talk about journalists for a second. Journalists in Russia recently, this is just in the last two years, who've criticized Putin, have had their arms broken by police, have been banned from international travel. They're essentially imprisoned in Russia. They have been labeled as terrorists or they have faced hefty fines. Why? For reporting reality, for not acting as the propaganda arm of Putin. They have been physically and financially injured. That, of course, doesn't even take into account the death that the Russian people suffer because of Putin's tyranny. Human rights, a human rights historian in Russia, again, in the past two years alone, faced false charges of child sex offenses. Why? Because he was exposing human rights abuses inflicted on the Russian people by Vladimir Putin. This is Russia. This is, when I say this is Russia, I mean this is the Russian regime. This is Vladimir Putin. This is the government of Russia, not the people of Russia. We know that that's two separate things. So going back to where this started, Lawrence Tribe accused Tucker Carlson of treason for Tucker Carlson's viewpoints on Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, that causes us to defend Tucker Carlson, as we should, because it's obviously not treason. Lawrence Tribe's take is ridiculous and absurd and incorrect. Tucker Carlson's take is also not correct in the sense that morally neutralizing, it's not treason, of course, but morally neutralizing Putin because Ukraine is also bad, isn't the same as not wanting war with Russia. And we should be able to say that. The correct take is to be able to say, Putin is bad. It's also bad if Russia invades Ukraine. That's not something that we want. And we still, still, even taking those two things into account, we still don't want to go to war with Russia. So again, th then, we have, then we have the David Frenches. The David Frenches. Now, David French's take is on Ukraine and on Putin is also incorrect. This is what he tweeted. This was following, these tweets were following Canada's parliament voted on the Emergencies Act that Justin Trudeau had implemented and their parliament, at least their lower house, has approved the use of the Emergencies Act, which is devastating. It's tyranny. They, they are essentially, their parliament is allowing Justin Trudeau's tyranny. And we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about this more in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Beam Organics. Did you know that poor sleep can cause weight gain? mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity. If you sleep less than six to seven hours per night, that can be linked to reduced white blood cell count. Having a consistent nighttime routine is so important. A better tomorrow starts tonight. So today I introduce to you Beam Dream. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand with unique products for everything from sleep to recovery. And today you, my viewers, get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product. It's called Dream Powder. It's their best-selling healthy hot cocoa. It contains natural, sleep-promoting, premium ingredients. 98% of people surveyed fell asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experienced better sleep quality. All you do is you just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, you stir it, and enjoy it 30 minutes before bedtime. You can find out then why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam. And if you don't love it, well you get your money back guaranteed. For a limited time, you can get 20% off when you use my URL, beamorganics.com slash Liz, and then use my promo code Liz at checkout. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz for $20 off at checkout. Okay, so David French, after Canada's parliament voted in favor of the Emergencies Act, this is what he tweeted, and I quote, this is one of the many, many reasons why I'm so much less alarmed by Trudeau than Putin. Strange that that even needs to be said. Canada is a functioning democracy accountable to citizens with regular elections. Imagine something like this happening in Russia. 
He goes on to say, it's just utterly insane to me that people are arguing I should be more concerned about Canada than a Russian government led by a murderer who is teetering on the verge of launching aggressive war in Europe and creating a potential humanitarian catastrophe. He then says, Trudeau is accountable to elected representatives, Canadian courts, and ultimately the people of Canada. Putin kills the people who try to hold him accountable. He's launched wars that have killed thousands. What are we even talking about here? So we had the isolationist view from Tucker Carlson. This is more of an interventionist view from David French. And this, two things about this. First of all, Canada. Canada actually, what is happening in Canada actually is terrifying. And in a way, it should terrify us more than what's happening in Russia. And I say this because Justin Trudeau has, has enshrined himself as a dictator now. He's, he's, he's not the leader of a free and functioning democracy. He has taken for himself power in his position as the head of government, and he is utilizing that power in a way that violates the rights of the Canadian people. It, it, it's a tyranny. I mean, it's, he's an actual communist. They do not have a functioning democracy. A functioning democracy means that there is self-governance, that the people are represented by the government and that the role of the government is to protect the people from their rights being violated by either foreign or domestic actors. Justin Trudeau is not doing that. Justin Trudeau is freezing people's bank accounts. There's actually a woman who donated $50 to the trucker convoy who because she donated 50 bucks, she had her bank account frozen. She is a single mom and she has no access to her money. And this is done by the way, by Justin Trudeau claiming that he is keeping you safe. He is fighting against COVID virus. He is just doing what needs to be done. No, that's, that's not what happens in a functioning democracy. And the reason, by the way, it, it, I mean, this is obviously not a functioning democracy, but the reason that this is so terrifying what's happening in Canada is because in, in a sense, what's happening in Russia is very far removed from us because Putin is already a dictator. They already do not have a democracy and they have a tyranny. It's a tyrannical regime in Russia. But in Canada, they didn't have a tyrannical regime until about a week ago. They had a more or less functioning democracy. Now, you can argue that it was too politically incorrect, sure, that they don't protect rights to free speech or right to freedom of religion or what have you, that they have too much hate speech codified into law there. And all of those things are true. But more or less, Canada is a functioning democracy. And yet, the terrifying part is that the mechanisms of tyranny that are being utilized by Trudeau in Canada could actually happen right here in the United States. It's the same pretext, right? Our government officials and our public health officials here in the United States are also violating our rights, destroying our economy, locking us down, forcing us to wear masks, implementing vaccine mandates, all of these things in the name of our safety, keeping us safe, fighting this virus. They're claiming that disinformation and misinformation is actually killing people. They're using this as a pretext to, to stop our free speech, our opinion, to stifle dissent, to not allow questions and skepticisms of public health officials or big pharma. The situation in the United States and Canada is actually very similar. Canada has just taken it two steps ahead of where the United States is. And so I would actually argue counter or contrary to what David French is saying, that no, Canada is not a functioning democracy right now. They have switched in the last week to a, to a tyranny. They are now a tyrannical authoritarian regime where Justin Trudeau is the dictator. And so that does scare me more than what's happening in Russia. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what's happening in Russia. It doesn't mean that what Russia is doing in the Ukraine is good. It's not. It's bad. 
I do think that we should take action and we'll talk about what that action is, but I do think we'll take, we should take action to address Russia invading Ukraine. But you're not accountable to the people as a leader. Trudeau is not accountable to the people as a leader if he is reducing their ability to petition the government for a redress of grievances, if he is ignoring a huge portion of his population and their interests, if he is labeling peaceful protesters as violent, as misogynistic, as terrorists. I mean, remember what's happening here, right? The trucker convoy is a peaceful protest. They're not violent. They were a peaceful protest that, yes, was blockading. Now, why were they blockading? Because Justin Trudeau was trying to force them to have the vaccine that they didn't want. He, he implemented a vaccine mandate for truckers to cross state lines. And they said, no. They said, we don't want you to determine what medical procedure we have. And so we are going to make our voices heard to make sure that we are represented to protect our own freedom. And so they drove to Ottawa and they staged this protest. Again, a nonviolent protest, disruptive, sure, nonviolent. And Trudeau never acknowledged that they had any valid points. He never listened to them. He never talked to them. He maligned them and he tried to silence them. He's punishing them. He said, we talked about this yesterday on the show. He said that if you donated financially to the trucker convoy, even though the blockade is, is over, even though this protest has more or less been disbanded, it's not over. He said, this is going to be a month, months long endeavor tracking down people who financially contributed to this. The government is seeking revenge on the people who dared to peacefully protest civil disobedience they engaged in, and he's going to spend months tracking them down to punish them, just like the woman who paid for the single mom who donated $50 to this who can't access her bank account now. This actually is strikingly what Putin, strikingly similar to what Putin said about the Ukrainians. He said, and he was referencing the Ukrainians who brought, and he said brought democracy to the country. I mean, I would argue that Ukraine is not a functioning democracy, but this is what Putin said, quote, we know their names and we will find them and bring them to justice. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound exactly like what Justin Trudeau is actually doing? So no, I would argue again that, that this is an incorrect take from David French, that it's not simply a matter of people speaking out against their government officials in Canada and you know, it, and course correcting what's happening. Justin Trudeau is making that impossible because he's making it impossible for them to make their voices heard. He's taking away their freedoms via executive fiat. And th these are Trudeau's words. Listen to Trudeau and tell me that this is a functioning democracy. Listen to, to Trudeau and tell me that the people are in control of their own destiny in Canada right now. This is what Trudeau said. Take a listen. As I said, the Emergencies Act is not something to undertake lightly. And it's something that needs to be momentary, temporary, and proportional. That's why every single day I'm receiving briefings and we are reflecting on how much longer the Emergencies Act needs to be in place. We don't want to keep it in place a single day longer than necessary. But even though uh, the blockades are lifted uh, across border uh, openings right now, uh, even though uh, things seem to be resolving very well in Ottawa, this state of emergency is not over. 
there continues to be real concerns uh, about the coming days, uh, but we will continue to evaluate every single day uh, whether or not uh, it is uh, time and we are able to lift this state of emergency. That does not sound to me like a functioning democracy. Again, David French with an incorrect take. This, this is not a correct take on Russia. Biden also, of course, President Biden has an incorrect take on Russia and on Ukraine here. This is what Biden said on February 21st of 2020, two years ago. He said, Vladimir Putin does not want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in the field who's ever gone toe to toe with him. Well, fast forward two years to the day. On February 21st of 2022, CBS News says, breaking, Putin recognizes the independence of two Ukraine breakaway regions, signaling he's no longer interested in negotiating with the West to find a diplomatic resolution. Now, first of all, we should welcome back to Twitter, Defiant Ls. Uh, Defiant Ls we talked about last week. Twitter had, for no reason, banned Defiant Ls from Twitter. Because of the outcry, Twitter said, oh, you know what? We actually made a mistake and we'll reinstate you. Now, of course, this is what Twitter does. They, they, they push up to the line that they think they can get away with. Once in a while, when uh, the backlash becomes too strong, they just claim that they made a mistake. That's what they did here. So that's what this contrast photo is from Defiant Ls. Welcome back to Twitter. Um, but what, what does this show you? Putin has no respect for Biden. Why would he? Why would Putin have any respect for Biden? Biden is a bunch of bluster and he doesn't mean any of it. Th this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. None of this had to happen. This, this, what is happening right now in Ukraine is not just arbitrarily happening. This is not just an act of fate. This is not the weather. This is happening because of deliberate political choices. Yes, deliberate political choices made by Putin, of course, he's the one doing this, but those actions by Putin are enabled by Biden by Biden being so weak. In fact, Democratic presidents, this is, this, is, uh, this is a fun fact, if you will, something that I think is, that should be reported, and nobody on the left is talking about this. Nobody in the mainstream media is reporting on this. Think about how many times Putin has waged war, how many times he has assaulted other people or other nations, and think about who the presidents of the United States were when he has waged these wars. So when Russia invaded, when Russia, not just Putin, but Russia in general, when Russia invaded Afghanistan, who was president? Carter was president a Democrat. When Russia took over Crimea, who was president? Obama. Obama was president. And now Russia is invading Ukraine, the rest of Ukraine. And who is president? Biden is president. So which of our modern presidents, which of our modern presidents, uh, under which of our modern presidents did Putin not assault someone, try to start a war, invade somebody? Trump. Trump is the only president, the only modern president uh, under which Putin did not dare to push him around because he knew that Trump actually actually meant what he said. He knew that Trump would never stand for that. Biden, the, Biden's weakness, his lack of leadership here, stretches back literally decades. It stretches back to that infamous debate that Obama had with Mitt Romney in 2012, where Obama mocked Romney to Romney's face about Romney naming Russia as our number one geopolitical foe. Take a look at this. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that Al-Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not Al-Qaeda, you said Russia. And the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know the Cold War has been over for 20 years. And always remember, Biden was part of the Obama administration. It was the Obama-Biden administration. Biden has been part, 
has had a relationship with Putin long enough that Putin knows exactly how he can push Biden around. This didn't have to happen. So all of this is to say, these, these people are all incorrect about Russia and Ukraine. I mean, the I don't care people are, are, are incorrect. The interventionist people are incorrect. The isolationist people are incorrect. The I don't care people, by the way, I'm friends with Jordan Schachtel, but I think that this take is incorrect. He said, tell me why I'm supposed to care about contested lands in, in Ukraine again. I forget. I, I don't like this viewpoint either. I don't like this viewpoint. It is important. It is important when tyrannical governments or despots like Putin try to expand their territory. I mean, the idea of containment, containment being that the foreign policy under Reagan, where we said, no, we're going to contain communism, we're going to contain socialism, we're not going to allow this to spread around the world. This was important to keep communism away from the United States, to keep socialist regimes away from the United States, to keep them from taking over the world, to take over the free world even. So this idea that we should just not care about what's happening in other countries, that's also, that's also an incorrect take. It doesn't mean we have to go to war with Russia. But to say that we don't care is short-sighted. To, sh to say that we don't care lacks context and perspective. So who is correct? Who, who has some correct takes? Believe it or not, the one person who has a correct take, and this is only about the American portion of this. I am not endorsing her other views, which I generally don't agree with. But the person who has a correct take about the American tie-in to Russia and Ukraine is oddly Tulsi Gabbard. I know, usually she's much too isolationist for me. But this is what she tweeted. She said, the Durham investigation has shown that the biggest threat to our democracy is not some foreign country, but rather the power elite led by the likes of Hillary Clinton and her co-conspirators in the mainstream media and security state who work to undermine our democracy from within. I read that and I thought, yes, yes, that is exactly correct. Now, again, does that, was anybody, anybody, even those who want to get involved with Russia and Ukraine, is anybody suggesting that that's a direct threat to our homeland? No. No one's suggesting that. So that's the only part that I think is maybe a false comparison here. But the biggest threat to the American Republic is the Democratic Party, is the Marxism of the Democratic Party. And, and they push this Marxism on us in all different ways, whether it's in schools with critical race theory, whether it's attacking objective truth, you know, with transgenderism and their assault, whether it's assault on the family, whether it's abortion, whether it's monetary policy, whether it's the Green New Deal, whether it's Medicare for all, whether it's big government spending, whether, you know, whether it's trying to unseat a duly elected president, whether it's using the power of the federal government to go after private citizens, because the people in the deep states, in the administrative state, the executive branch of our government don't like the political views of the citizens, this is the biggest threat to the American Republic right now. This is the number one threat to the American Republic, and Tulsi Gabbard is absolutely correct on that. Now, the proper take on Russia. The proper take on Russia, let's talk about that, because we do need to understand what our role in the Russia-Ukraine, um, well, the possible war in this conflict is. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Echelon Fitness. Echelon Fitness is the best way to bring the gym home to you. If you're anything like me, then it's very difficult for you to get to the gym. It's difficult for me because I work a lot and because I have a one-year-old. I still want to work out though, which is why Echelon Fitness is the right fit for me. They bring the gym home. It also helps to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown um, teaching the classes. So you get a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push like you were at the gym. It's an affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort and privacy of your own home. With Echelon Fitness, you can work out anytime, 
day or night. Their full range of affordable workout equipment, including stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and the auto-folding treadmill are all connected to provide the full Echelon Fitness experience. One membership covers a family of five. Right now, listeners to my show can get $650 off MSRP. To get this exclusive offer, text Liz, L-I-Z, to 818181. Text Liz to 818181 to get up to $650 off MSRP. Text Liz to 818181. A mandatory disclaimer here, message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. So what is the proper take on Ukraine? What's the proper role of the United States? in this conflict, this conflict between Ukraine and Russia or this invasion of Ukraine by Putin. So the proper take is as follows. Putin, it's acknowledging that Putin is a dictator. He's a tyrant. It is acknowledging that Russia is not our friend. Russia is at best an adversary, sometimes a downright hostile adversary. Remember, they hack us. They certainly don't want the US to be the superpower. They are an adversary with whom, despite their hostility, We need peace because they are also a nuclear power. Russia invading Ukraine is bad. This is something we should care about. It's not something to brush under the rug or discount or turn our heads the other way or shrug our shoulders. This is bad. We do not want tyrannical regimes to expand or become emboldened or oppress more people. Period. It's a bad thing that Russia is invading Ukraine. We also don't want war with Russia. We don't want to send are the men and women of our military to fight somebody else's war unless there is a direct U.S. interest, a direct threat to our national interest. Ukraine, if you analyze the situation, Ukraine is not a direct national interest to the United States. There are interests that we have in in this conflict. There is the interest of containing Putin. There is the interest of not allowing or not emboldening China, Iran, and North Korea when they see the weakness of how Biden is handling this. There is the interest of protecting Ukraine's right to self-determination. There is the interest in helping enforce international law. There's also an interest in the possible NATO involvement that may happen, which would, by necessity, by law, then uh, require the U.S. to get involved if Putin continues his march through Ukraine and, you know, turns his eye toward Poland or any of the Baltic states. These are interests that the United States of America has when looking at the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. But are these interests direct national interests? Do they directly threaten our national security? No, they don't. No, they don't. They certainly don't. It is not a direct national interest. Now, I would call it an indirect interest because the interests exist. An indirect interest requires an indirect response, which makes sense. And part of that requires us to acknowledge that we shouldn't be in this position to begin with. This should not, we should not be in a lose-lose position. We shouldn't have allowed, we shouldn't have allowed the diabetes to happen. We should have prevented it before it manifested. In other words, if Trump were president, this would not be happening. It's happening because Biden is president. I know, I know the phrase sounds trite. The phrase elections have consequences sounds trite. But this is Biden's fault. This is Biden's fault. He was in a position to stop it, and he didn't, which emboldened Putin. Now we are in a lose-lose, and it's important for us to recognize this. If we want to make the correct take, the proper take, on and, and understand how to address it, what we should do moving forward, we have to understand 
that it's Biden's fault, that this is a lose-lose that didn't have to happen. Because of Biden, millions of Ukrainians will now face oppression, deadly war, possible death. And so what do we do? What does the United States do? Well, we can't push Putin any further towards China. That is a complicating factor. The more that we publicly demonize or publicly threaten Putin just, just for the sake of demonizing him or just for the sake of publicly threatening him, the more that we try to shame him like a child, he will turn away from us, he will turn away from Europe, and he will turn towards the Chinese. And we don't want the Chinese and the Russians to, um, to become allies with each other. We can give, because of that, we can give lethal aid to the Ukraine, and we should. We should help them defend themselves. That is an appropriate use of our resources because Ukraine is being invaded. They do have a right to self-determination. They do have a right to their borders. And so by giving resources to Ukraine, it's a way that we can assist without sending our men and women in the military. We can also stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. By the way, this is exactly what Trump did. And when Trump did it, guess what happened? Putin complied. Putin stopped what he was doing. Putin began to behave because Trump actually knew how to make a threat that he would follow through on. He knew how to use diplomacy and economy rather than military weapons to get Putin to behave. Biden could do this immediately. Biden should have done this already. He should have done this a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, so that it didn't get to this point. But of course, he did not. We can also push diplomacy. And why this? I mean, there, there's an argument to be made about whether or not Ukraine should be admitted to NATO. To NATO. There's, there's a valid argument or a valid question, a debate that should be had about whether Ukraine should be admitted and if they are, when. And so if this is, if this is Putin's primary issue, the, the immediacy of Ukraine in NATO, then maybe we kick the can down the road. Maybe because Biden is never going to do better than this, we say, all right, NATO won't admit Ukraine for five years or 10 years. We'll reconsider it at that time and kick the can down the road. And then maybe Putin would back off. Putin, remember, needs an off-ramp. He needs an off-ramp, but he's not going to do it in shame. He's not going to do it if he loses face. So the Biden administration should give him an off-ramp. They should give him an off-ramp. And then we, the American people, should never elect politicians again who put us in this position, put us in this lose-lose position, put indirect U.S. interests and the lives of millions of people around the world at risk in the hands of a brutal tyrant like Putin. This is the correct viewpoint. This is the proper take on Russia and Ukraine. I don't know why so many people are getting it wrong. It, it actually seems very obvious to me that this, that this is the correct take, that this is the proper take, and that this is what the United States should do moving forward. And I think if we do this, we could actually get the situation under control. Unfortunately, the Biden administration, I don't have hope that they will actually do this. So use your votes, my friends. Use your votes wisely in our next elections. All right. So you all know that I'm friends with Alex Berenson, um, who is has been one of the predominant voices of skepticism and reporting about COVID and vaccines and early treatments, etc., since the beginning of the pandemic. And I love Alex, but he is big wrong on one thing. And we're going to talk about that. Of course, we're going to talk about that over on Locals because, you know, 
big tech and all that. However, if you want to watch this exclusive segment for VIPs only, I will give you a promo code. Promo code is Ivermectin. Promo code is Ivermectin. You can get one month free on your annual subscription to become a Liz Wheeler Show VIP if you use the promo code Ivermectin. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. See you there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.